Merry Christmas. Welcome to a special edition of The Versatile Writer. Earlier this year, I had a lovely chat with writer, author, podcaster and speaker and all-around good guy, Sarah Werner. Over time, Sarah and I have discovered we have more in common than we don't, so I asked her to be a special guest on The Versatile Writer so we could find out what makes each other tick. Very kindly, Sarah gave me her time that day and we talked about writing, our backgrounds, our approach to specific areas of creative writing, and even my gorgeous cat, Samwise, came to join in. Now that Samwise is no longer, it's all the more poignant that Sarah and I spent some time together that day. So here it is, my Christmas special to you, my chat with Sarah Werner. I hope you enjoy it. So tell us a little bit about your background for the sake of the people that listen to my podcast that haven't heard of you yet. I'm sure they will. And, and if not, why not? Um, so, yeah, tell us a bit about yourself and then we'll, we'll get into the meaty questions that you and I agreed on earlier. <laughs> Sounds great. I'm really looking forward to this. So, hi, I'm Sarah Werner. Uh, or Sarah Ray Werner, as I go by, just because there's so many Sarah Werners in the universe. Um, let's see, I'm a writer, I am a executive producer, I'm a creator, I'm a teacher, I do all sorts of things, I do national speaking, I am a podcaster, I'm probably forgetting some things. Um, but gosh, what can I tell you about myself? Um, I feel like it's just kind of the normal story of like growing up and loving to write and loving to read and trying to desperately find ways uh, to use those passions in a way that fits in with, uh, you know, a way that we can make money and a way that we can sustain ourselves. And um, so I sort of grew up loving the creative arts. And I was like, well, I could, you know, I could teach or I could go into marketing. So I decided to go into marketing and use my creative energy there. And um, you know, it ended up being, I was in marketing for about 10 years, um, and five of those were exclusively digital marketing. And it was nice to be able to use my writing and creative skills and get paid for it. But it was also unsatisfying because I wasn't using them to work on my own stuff. And so in, uh, in 2017, I was doing enough freelance work on the side that I was able to leave my day job, focus on the freelance stuff, and then slowly transition from freelancing and like ghostwriting books and building websites and stuff into writing and creating for myself full time. And so now I get to full time work on my two podcasts. So I have the Right Now podcast. Uh, which may appeal to your writer audience. And then I also have a fictional podcast, a scripted audio drama called Girl in Space. Um, and I'm writing season two for that right now. And yeah, that's kind of been the, the focus going forward. I also uh, lead uh, live create-alongs every Wednesday over on Twitch. So if you're into streaming, you can find me there. Um, but yeah, mostly just trying to do my best to live a creative life and inspire other people to do the same. And if you earn money doing it, so much the better. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because you know we, we need to eat. Who knew? Yes. I think there's so many things within your background and what you currently do that are such an overlap with me. Aside from the audio drama, I don't I don't touch that area at all. But the at least not yet. Well, not yet. No, you're you're quite right. Um, <laughs> I used to do radio up until, uh, what, last year, I think it was, or the year before. I've, I feel like we lost a year, and it's 
it kind of mm-hmm. messes with your head a bit, doesn't it? Absolutely. Um, yeah, I did radio, uh, community radio for nine years and wow. it didn't seem like nine years at the time. It just kind of felt like it was uh, volunteer work as well. So it just kind of <gasps> continued on and on and on. Um, and it was a radio show called Writer's Block. And everything I do within my life pertains to writing somehow. So uh, if it's not writing my own stuff, it's helping others write their stuff or talking about writing with my podcast or it was with radio at the time. And um, I kind of dabbled with podcasting for a little while, but I ended up because I was doing so many different things and a lot of them were voluntary um, and I was also running a business, it, it kind of had to. I had to draw a line on what I was giving away for free and what I needed to, you know, make money with. And so the radio had to go to one side because my natural evolution was to continue with the podcast. Um, so that's been going uh, two years now. And in fact, it's two years in, in about three days or something like that. Um, Happy anniversary. Oh, <laughs> and the business was, um, for the love of books, was... A decade old on the first of August, so it all kind of fits together. It. Congrats! Thank you. It just it doesn't it does and it doesn't feel like ten years if you know what I mean. Because in the middle of all of the ten years, I decided I was going to do a degree in writing. Of course, what else? And um, that kind of took a huge lump out of the business time because although it's fit it around your life, fit it around your work, fit it around everything else, it really t- takes up. Well, it certainly did with me, takes up all of my headspace. So that mm-hmm. was um, a good kind of five and a half, six years of focusing on that. And then, That's how it works, though, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It is. And you said earlier about fitting in um, freelance work with it. You know, if something comes along, everything has to stop because, you know, you have to um, put time to one side to actually earn some money. And while it's really exciting writing and creating characters and plots, you know, you kind of need to eat as well. You know? Exactly. Yeah. And there's like, there's no shame in that. And it's, it's such a complicated topic, I think, for a lot of writers. I love that your cup matches your shirt, oh, by the thank way. You. That's <laughs> yeah. beautiful. Thank you. I totally expected that way, yes. Um, I think one of the things that, that drew me to you, actually, was in your podcast, so many things, I've said this to you a few times via Twitter, is that so many things that you talk about fit in exactly with what I was, you know, going through at that time, like almost to the second or to the day or to the week, you know, so spot on. This is crazy. This this lady is just, you know, reading my mind, um, which kind of makes you wonder how many other writers are going through the exact same thing at the exact same time. Mm-hmm. Yes to that. Yes, yes. <laughs> And it's, it's interesting, you know, you sometimes think that like telling your story gets repetitive or it sounds, um, I don't know, uh, very me centric, but I've found that if you share your story that you'll find a lot of other people who are going through exactly the same thing that you are. And it, it can be helpful for, to help them process it and to help you process it as well. I think also if you have heard, like, for instance, I, I hear a lot of your episodes and they talk to me at the right time. I can go back, um, I mean, I mentioned to you several times, I listen to it when I'm on the treadmill. So um, I'm, my body can, you know, do its thing while my mind is doing its thing. Although it's separate, it works together. And when I, uh, your accent helps as well. I'm very much into uh, oh, thank you. accents, uh, specifically US accents. But um, 
you know, certain accents and pitches of voice kind of speak to me specifically. So if you're talking about a subject that, you know, also speaks to me, you've got all of my attention, which is if it's a great subject and it's writing or it's something I'm going through at the same time, you know, it's like, I need, I need more, I need more. <laughs> I can't get enough. <laughs> well, thank <of> you. <laughs> In a slightly obsessive way. But some of the things you've spoken about, in fact, your uh, newsletter, which I received earlier today, again spoke to me. And I'm thinking, wow, how is it that that we're on this same wavelength all of the time? Now, I will mention a couple of bits, actually. You're, a lot of people might still have not your, got your newsletter today because of time zones. But you were talking about the time we have left. And, I th- and this is something I've been going through over the last probably six months but over this last couple of weeks and days it's to the point where we've we've discussed um or you've discussed anxiety and I've agreed with so many things but the two things that you mentioned on your newsletter was afraid you won't get everything done in the time you have left and um terrified of the notion you could just drop dead at any given moment and I know it sounds a little bit um depressing but when so many years ago I started writing so many different works in progress and knew that at some point later on I'd know a lot more about writing that I could continue them so I was able to leave them as works in progress whereas some people look at them as unfinished pieces because I can't finish anything Mm. I was actively thinking of it's a work in progress and I've gone back to do some of those but because you know, I'm thinking, oh, I don't know how long I've got left, you know. And it's so scary. So do you want to sort of put my mind at rest or something? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, gosh. Yeah. It's This is something I think a lot about. And so um, a little bit of background on, I think, why I, I think this way is um, growing up, I had a... a uh, I don't want to say like a bone disease, but a, but a situation where I needed spinal surgery, like my spine was growing in backward and it was growing into my heart and lungs. And when I was 16, I had to have it corrected because eventually that was going to, um, I don't want to say like kill me, but like, you know, uh, I, I wouldn't be alive today. So I, I got this surgery and they straightened out my spine and now it's growing okay. And, um, I, and I always think like, you know, oh, if this was even a hundred years ago, I probably would have died by the time I was 20. And it's, and it's, it's this double-edged sword of, um, I see all of this time that I've, I've had and that I will have passed sort of that expiration date as, as borrowed time. Um, and also this like huge blessing. And so it's like, I have to be really careful with this time because, um, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful for it and I need to make the most of it. And that has its own pressure on it. Right. Um, but I also do want to live intentionally and enjoy the time that I have. And it's just, um, so that's kind of where that fear comes from this, this fear of, I don't know how much time I have left. Can I fit everything in? And then am I using my time wisely is like this other fear that I have. Am I using it wisely enough? Um, because I feel like it's this gift that I've been given and I don't want to squander it. Um, but both of these things come from scarcity, right? They, they come from a place of scarcity and fear. And what, what happens when we focus on, you know, the, the scarcity or the lack is we forget to focus on the time that we do have. 
Um, so, you know, I found that, oh, I'm spending all of this beautiful time worrying that I don't have enough time. Well, maybe instead I could be grateful for this time and see it as an abundant gift and make the most of it. And so it's just this weird circular uh, thought uh, cycle that chases itself around in my brain. And I don't know if I really have a satisfying answer for it. But I do know that the answer lies in moving from scarcity to abundance and moving from fear to gratitude. Um, it's just how we do that, whether you're doing it through journaling or affirmations. Or um, one thing that I started doing was I stopped looking at the clock. Mm -hmm. And I found that that helps. So I still have notifications on my calendar. So my my phone dings, you know, 10 minutes before an interview. So I can be like, oh, okay, time to go get ready for my interview. So I can respect the, the interviewer's time. And I don't know, I, I've done a lot of reading and thinking about the concept of time. And you know, when you're in the flow, and you're writing, and you're just and like time disappears, yeah. and you're just in the flow, <laughs> and you're existing with the words and time goes away. I want to live like that, you know, and 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 I've been in that flow before. And when I'm in that writing flow, every second is its own eternity, right? And it's, and so I think that there is something, you know, obviously relative about time in that it's not just ticking forward and we get, we're helpless to stop it, right? I think that we can like actually dismiss the thought of time and live in sort of an expansive creative moment. And I think that's really what I'm trying to go for. And so again, for me, um, not looking at the clock has helped and actually just being present and not watching my life tick away, um, just because I know that that makes me really, really anxious. Um, I don't know, so I'm trying that, um, and I'm trying to just be present and appreciate, uh, you know, the moments that I have and to make time for uh, time and space for writing and remind myself that everyone else has a lifespan, mm -hmm. right? And it's normal to have a lifespan and it, it everybody has this. It's part of being human and just accepting that. And then, you know, just not getting myself all worked up about the time that I don't have and focusing on the time that I do have. But isn't that so scary at the same time yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah because um when you're talking about going into that when you're writing I, I think of it as going into that writing zone but mm. it's almost in a way it's it's kind of like having like a I mean we'll talk sci-fi in a minute because we're talking about some different uh tv shows but it's almost like going through a sci-fi wormhole into mm. another realm where this world is that you've created that you know, may or may not be sci-fi. In this case, the one I'm thinking of at the moment isn't. Or is it? Because <laughs> there's an element that you could think of it that way. And there's an element that could be also supernatural. But essentially, the one I'm writing at the moment is what is a romance. But um, when you're when you're writing it, you become, as you say, time just goes and you don't know how long it is. And I tend to write my best um, late at night mm -hmm. into the early hours that for me is is when I'm awake I'm very much not a morning person at all um so maybe after dinner at night time before bed everyone else has gone to bed and I'll go back to the laptop and it's at that time that I can really come alive and come awake and I can really get into the the story um maybe rereading what I've written the day before or the morning before mm -hmm. and then 
you know, getting really into it and then carrying on with it. So it's almost like um, backstitch where you, 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 yeah. you're editing what you've done and then you go forwards into the next part. It's kind of how I've uh, done it naturally, actually, over the years. That seems to be my routine. Um, but when you're in that... I love that image. Yeah. I mean, I'm quite Backstitching. That's so good. <laughs> I'm quite a visual person. I do a lot of craft as well. So it kind of makes sense that uh, it's a backstitching yeah. time rather than a stitching time. <laughs> um I love that, though. Thank you. (laughs) Don't expect more, because I probably can't do that again. (laughs) (laughs) We'll give you credit for that. We're good. Thanks. (laughs) I'll I'll put a a one on the wall, so at least I've done one good thing today. Um, (laughs) But when you're in that zone, it's like nothing else matters. I can put my alarm on for maybe, you know, an hour writing or two hours writing, and then I'll get to a natural point, and then I'll look over at my clock, and it will say three minutes left. I think, where did that time go? Because it's just so encompassing it just fills up every part of me and I utterly become obsessed with the characters lives and it's, it's brilliant mm-hmm. I want to live like that it makes sense you know to, to want to do that and without drugs or anything like that you can just right ex- yeah. yes exactly <laughs> <laughs> writing is my drug it is isn't it it's, just, it's so addictive and the characters lives become so addictive too um I've talked about um obsession on my podcast but most people think of obsession in a very negative way mm-hmm. and I can obsess quite easily and um it, I find it actually you know Stephen King talks about his um in on writing he talks about, about his writer's toolbox um I kind of feel like obsession is one of my writing mm-hmm. tools but it's kept it's an extreme writing tool that's kept mm. in the toolbox in a in a secret place in the toolbox only I know about where to find it um and there's certain actors that fit beautifully some of my characters and when I've you know found one that fits the character because as I said I'm quite visual so I need to see things happening and then I can work from that and bring it in to my story so I need to see them walking I need to see how their face moves when Mm. they speak if they have a specific accent I need to listen to it so that I can watch how they deliver it and how certain words have emphasis on it and other words don't where in English you know we have emphasis on different parts of the words but in America you know I write a lot of American um, different states of course but American accents so I need to hear where you know, a stress falls rather than listen to how it falls with me. Because with me, it sounds really yes. flat. But in America, <laughs> it sounds musical and melodic and bouncy and exciting, um, which is maybe bizarre for you. I don't know. But that's how it works for me. Um, oh, no, it's like I have definitely the same experience. I'm like, oh, I wish I wish I had an accent. Like You, you don't know. at all. <laughs> <laughs> but we do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think of myself. We don't think of ourselves with accents. But um you know, when we listen to an accent, I kind of get pulled in. I'm like it with Scottish as well, certain mm, Scottish mm-hmm. accents. Um, and I can hear it and it gets, I get pulled in. And again, the stresses fall on different syllables, which mm-hmm. I think helps deliver the dialogue or helps create the character. I don't know if it works that way with you, does it? Oh, gosh. I think I think this is such an interesting way to think of building character is through voice and how they speak. And there's something really beautiful about that. It's it's interesting because um, I've been writing for audio for so long. 
Um, you know, I have my drawer full of novels, uh, but just lately over the past four or five years, I've been focused solely on audio. And you'd think that I would be focused on how does this person sound and how are they speaking these words? But um, gosh, I don't. I don't. I am like very much, um, very much different. And now I want to like experiment with doing that and, and see what that's like. Oh my gosh, I love that idea. It's, it's great that, you know, it's something you haven't yeah. thought of. I mean, we as, as writers, we've been doing it forever. So, you know, we've, we've um, you've been frozen for the longest time and now you've just moved. I'm like, oh my gosh, she's moving. Um, oh, I'm haunting you. <laughs> <laughs> but when you... Good thing I'm recording on my end. <laughs> when you, um, when you hear a, an accent and it fits the character perfectly and then you make them do things and put them in situations and, you know, challenge them and make them try to get out of it. Well, obviously it's all happening in here, but for you, it's happening in your character's head. It's happening in your character's world, which you've created. And that is, you know, surreal really, isn't it? But it's, it is exciting. Um, It is. With, with your accent, particularly when I had something specific I wanted to say about, you know, this is Sarah Bannon with the versatile writer and we're going to talk about blah, blah, blah. And I said it in my head and I thought, oh my God, that sounds so dull. And then I said it in my head with your accent. And I thought, oh, okay, now that works. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Isn't it? It's so strange. You know what though? That's, that's, oh, this is, I feel like there's something really key here in how we process language and how we create and how we see innovation and newness in what we create. And it's so interesting that something as small as an accent and how you place emphasis on different syllables and, and, you know, the melody that you use can really profoundly change how we hear a message like that's just such an interesting point of communication yeah i think as you just just hit it on the head actually how we hear that message how that gets through to us and how we process that and take it on board if we hear the same thing in a different way we won't pay Mm -hmm. any attention but if we hear it a specific way that hits all of the buttons we take it on board and apply it to our lives Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, this is so fascinating. <laughs> and even even with our own work, have you noticed, have you ever had somebody read your work back to you? Um, I'm not sure I have, actually. It's a very weird experience because, you know, you write everything in, well, I write everything in my own voice. And I feel like you're a step ahead of me with this because you're like actively thinking about the other voices that you write for. But having someone else read your work back to you, especially if they... Um, read it in a different way than you intended, or if they have a different accent or something like that. Um, it really opens your eyes to what are you saying? And, and what is the story that you're telling? And just hearing it back from somebody else's interpretation um, can be a really, really valuable tool in even understanding your own work. I might have to try that one day. That's, um, it sounds slightly scary as well, because it means that it's very, yeah, <laughs> that somebody else is reading your work. Uh-huh. Yeah, you have to be... Um, <laughs> you know, willing to be vulnerable. And yeah, it's, it is scary, but it's, it's like, that's a good kind of scary. Yeah. Um, actually, one of the things we were talking, we we're going to talk about was, um, was Firefly and um, mm. the, the show that people either absolutely adore and worship, or as I've read a few things on Twitter today that people don't like, I'm thinking, what? No, what are you talking about? <laughs> Go away, people. Um, but some of those accents on there I mean they're obviously quite different voices they're obviously quite different accents 
when you hear certain things being said, as you say, you can process it in a different way. And also, as I said before about pitch, and I'm trying to think of another way of saying it, but like a depth of voice mm. as well. Mm-hmm. No, like a timbre or a tonality? Yeah, I guess so. Maybe. Now, I'm not... I listen to a lot of classical music rather than any other genre. Um, I feel most at home with classical. But I think that's probably because when I'm writing at night, I listen to classical and then it's in the background and it keeps mm. whatever's going on in here, something to focus on while I focus on on the writing. Um, not to get too deep into it, um, my family think I might have ADHD, which makes so, so much sense. Um, mm-hmm. And we only discovered this about, I don't know, a year ago or something. And something like 75% of the um, symptoms is me so it kind of makes mm-hmm. sense it's not been diagnosed or anything like that and I'm probably too late in my life to be anyway but um it made a lot of sense and I think this idea of depth of voice and um and accent seems to slide into my mind and stay there mm. and I can apply what I'm hearing and Australian as well funnily enough um but if, if you're if you're thinking about something else you can't focus at all, okay? Mm. But if you've got something that your mind, you know, is hammering away at in the background, and then you can totally focus. So I wonder if that's got something to do with tone and pitch and accent and, and linguistics generally. You know, you've, yeah. you've, you've got to be interested in words and, and speech, I guess, as well, because it's got to have a, a vehicle, hasn't it, to get through. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting. I think that really ties in with what you were talking about earlier with obsession. Yes. You know, because if if we're obsessing over something and if we're just hyper-focusing even on that, I, I think that does allow us, especially if you're neurodivergent, especially um, I also am uh, very symptomatic for ADHD. And I to- so I totally understand where you're coming from. And um, opening up different channels of focus allows us to view our work in different ways, too. And I think that obsession um, plays a, a big role in that. I think that's probably why I see it positively rather than a negative trait. Because if you've got mm-hmm. your mind, it is probably one of the only times I can utterly focus on one thing when I'm infatuated by a character or you know, yeah. an actor and then apply that, that person's look or their eyes or the way they walk a characteristic of them to my character I can completely obsess and that is one of the few times I can hand on heart say that I can focus on one thing where mm-hmm. my mind is just sparking all over the place otherwise I've got like a million questions to ask you and I'm thinking no no get in the queue she, I've, I've only got her for a short time that kind of thing so if I you know focus on a specific subject it is taking all my effort to do that you know Totally, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Right, as I said, um, when we were chatting via email, there's so many questions I had to ask you, but, you know, we we don't have a huge amount of time to do that. Um, The Firefly thing. um, What are your thoughts on Firefly? Oh, my gosh. That's quite Um, a big question. I'm sorry about that. No, it's... With that. No, it's fantastic. Um, um, So yeah, Firefly. I fell in love with Firefly the first time I saw it. And it was really, um, it was a very similar experience to seeing uh, Star Wars A New Hope for the first time. Um, I I feel like there's just, 
um, something about, I don't know if it's genre, but there's something about sci-fi, there's something about well-written sci-fi, and especially if that sci-fi has elements that really resonate with you, things that you need in your life that really uh, make us latch onto things. And so the first time I saw Firefly, I was like, oh my gosh, there's um, a sense of found family here uh, when they're having like dinner scenes around a table, when they're being kind to each other. Um, there's just so many really beautiful things that you don't normally see in sci-fi. And I think that was one of the things that I really latched mm -hmm. onto because I love the genre of sci-fi for its sense of possibility. You know, you can do anything in sci-fi. And I think to some degree, it's, it's very true of horror as well. Um, but with sci-fi, it's really just, you know, what do you want to say? What kind of message do you want to convey? And then you can convey it in any way that you want. Um, whether that's through, um, you know, technology or science or science that appears to be magic or life that comes from different places and looks like different things. And so really Firefly mixed the sort of gorgeous potential that I see in science fiction with just some really beautifully grounded elements, um, some very human elements that we, we don't see in a whole lot of other things. And it was really that warmth that drew me in, the, the warmth of the characters. And then, of course, um, the writing is just really fun and witty and bright and vibrant. And that really good dialogue draws me in as well. And so that's really... Um, you know, outside of the story, and the story is also very interesting in its own regard, but really what drew me in was the warmth. Uh, talking of warmth, um, I feel like the colours that they've used as well in costume, in the ship, mm. um, outside of that as well. Um, Firefly more so than Serenity because that tended to be just a little bit more um, neon, if you like. Mm -hmm. But um, the dialogue, um, and obviously the, the, the characters, but the dialogue seemed to pull me in and um I kind of mm -hmm. found Firefly um it was happening at when it was you know originally out but I got pulled into it through I was a big um Brendan Fraser fan massive in fact and mm, I was yeah. watching Blast from the Past and Nathan Fillion was in that a bit part and then I just happened to put the tv on one night and Nathan Fillion was on, and I think it might have been um, Ariel episode, and mm. oh yeah. wow, yeah, and he was in a line walking, and now I think it was Ariel because he was wearing that medical uniform with the with the squarish cap, mm. and as he walked through like into the camera, I thought, I know you. Where do I know you from? Um, and in those days, <laughs> in the olden days, um, I quickly went onto the computer and looked on IMDb and then looked up, you know, Nathan Fillion or what what had he been in that I, I'd seen him in. And then I saw Blast from the Past. I thought, oh, of course. Um, so I started watching it. And before you know it, you know, the, the whole thing had ended. Um, but yeah, I was absolutely pulled in at that point just because I'd seen his face because I'd seen him from something else. Now, had I not watched Blast from the Past, I might have gone, oh, he's nice looking and then carried on with my life. But it pulled me in because there was a connection to Brendan. Uh, right. Brendan Fraser, of course. We. It was such a massive part of my life, The Mummy, and like about 99% of Brendan Fraser's films that my family and I just referred to him as Brendan. <laughs> because... Well, he, I mean, at that point, he's a yeah, close family friend, Like I was right? saying to you when I first saw your face. Yeah. Oh, how are you? How you been? You know, it's been a while. <laughs> like we've yeah. never met. Yeah. 
<laughs> but that's kind of how things pull me in. I see them in one thing. I get completely enthralled by the story of that character. And then I see them in something else. And then I have to work my way through everything I've seen them in, uh, everything that they are in, so I can apply that character to how they portray another character. Mm. Yeah. So that's kind of how I get pulled in with the acting, the the dialogue, how they deliver it, how they speak, how they move, all these kinds of things. And then, you know, you, you, you do that with the characters in your own stories. So, well, that's how I do it. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that that's from how I first found Fireflow. But I totally get the warmth with you. There is something compelling. And also steampunk as well. There was... Mm-hmm. There's sci-fi, there's steampunkers. They refer to it as sci-fi western as well, don't they? And, yeah. and it's, it's just two very opposite genres pulled together beautifully. And, and it just works. Yeah, you kind of feel a bit jealous thinking, you pulled it off and it was so good. <laughs> I wish I could um, do that. But yeah. If I did that, they'd go, yeah, whatever, and walk on with their lives. But, you know, some people just... No, I don't think so. No. <laughs> You can make things work. Yeah, I just feel like sometimes if you've got a name behind you, you've got the reputation behind mm. you, you've got more of a chance to make it work. You've got to really jump high and go, pick me, pick me, when um, when it's, you know, you, you don't, you're not known or anything like that. So, so um, yeah, I mean, Firefly is just a, you kind of want to put it in a glass case, don't you, and just worship it forever. Hmm, yeah. It's, it's really one of those singular pieces, um... You know, and and I have there's there's a few things that are like that. Um, you know, I ha, uh, I love the Mass Effect video games, and um, the original Star Wars movies are sort of in that glass case too. And I think as writers and creators, you know, it's really important for us to have those and to continue to love and enjoy them and let them inspire us. Um, did you do you feel that like? Firefly in particular has inspired your work in a certain yeah. way. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what kind of way? I'm just trying to think. Um, uh, a couple of conventions, I actually met a couple of the um, of the actors, and that made a <gasps> difference to also how I write as well. Um, I'd written a couple of pieces of fan fiction, took them with me to the convention. Oh, cool. And got them to sign them. And I'm like, oh, my God. You know, if I do what it says in your um, in your newsletter about if I did drop dead at any minute, at least these things can be held. You know? <laughs> at least I got this. Yes. I love yeah. that. I had to learn a long while ago that the actor is one person and then the character is another. Because it's, it's, it's quite easy, isn't it, to just go, okay, well, that, that actor is that character. And then when you see them in something else, you think, well, that's not who I thought they were because it's a completely different genre. Um, taking on board that as, as an influence, I think, for me, mm. is, a, is a massive learning curve. But filtering a little of both of those into yeah. perhaps not characters as such. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily get Mal Reynolds and go, right, I'm going to make that character my own because I know it exists elsewhere and it, it doesn't belong to me. But elements of that character will fit in quite nicely to one that I've created. So that's how it would influence, I think. Um, probably also people I know as well. Um, my husband's personality pops up occasionally in some of my characters as my hero. So I guess, yeah. Oh, that's so sweet as the hero. Oh, does he know that? Yeah. <laughs> Good. 
Okay. Oh. <laughs> he does, but he's, he's like, yeah, whatever. Um, but also my characters, my heroes, generally do drink black coffee, which is what my husband drinks. Um, my heroines, although I try to make them as strong as I can and possible, as strong as possible as I can, they often have a flaky side, which is, generally speaking, it's me, you know, that kind of thing. That's development, though. That's depth, you know. That's good. Yeah, let's go with that. Yeah. That's the complexity of human nature. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it works for us. I mean, he's, you know, he, he comes across as um, this very strong uh, analytical character, and I'm whatever the opposite of that is. You're the fun one. <laughs> yeah, it could be that. It may be that. Yeah. I'm certainly the flaky one. <laughs> Do you are you like that with with your partner? Yes, although it's it's interesting because we're both creative and so um, we're both yes. writers, it, which which in a way is great because you know I can be like oh I'm stuck with this and like he'll completely understand, um, but then we're also both yeah maybe flakies there we're we're both kind of the same we have similar flaws too and we we don't like balance each other out because we're so similar. Um, so I, I would appreciate, I would appreciate that balance. I feel like that's kind of, that's kind of nice to have that. It is actually a good balance and our daughter is completely split in the middle. She is completely half of me and half of him. That's lovely. And and I'm assuming she has a very nice sense of balance then with both of those. Yeah. I mean, she, she's, um, she was 28 a couple of days ago, actually. So she's a, a grown up now, but she's still my baby. Um, but she's, she often says that when it doesn't work for her is when she's in conflict mm. with the other part of her mind, when she's totally empathic about something, but then logic creeps in, although it can balance nicely. She can be a loggerheads with each other, Yeah, which is a, absolutely. it's kind of interesting when you look at the psychology of our characters as well because there's a little bit of every one of us there's only three of us in our family but every one of us and then you add that to a character and you think Mm. well can that work can that work I don't know whether it can work well it works in our family so I guess it can work it can work in fiction yeah sometimes I think um I'll create a character a particular way and I think oh no readers are gonna see this and think you know that doesn't work at all you know, it doesn't work for me or it doesn't work for some other woman. And then I'll, I'll think, well, actually, everyone's different. So it could very well work for them. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you might as well experiment with it, right? Can <gasps> you hear my cat now? I can't. Oh, she, she, she's very grumpy. Are you going to? Oh. No, she's grumpy. She's woken up oh. and she's like, I'm grumpy. Yeah, I know you're grumpy. Oh. You're a grumpy old lady. Yeah. I love her. But, and she's um, 20. She's, yeah. Yeah. She's, um, she's gorgeous, but she's, she's a smelly old lady now. So. Oh, so is mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's looking at me. With, I mean, you've probably maybe seen pictures that I've posted on social media. She's a beautiful black cat, but she's. Uh, when the sun shines on her, she's actually dark red. And she's oh. got khaki eyes. So she's very striking. She's very, very pretty. And she's kept her looks her entire life. So she's very fortunate. Good. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. I love her. I think every um, writer has got 
um, a, a pet that helps them, you know, their, their writing buddy somewhere along. Woohoo! She's just jumped out. Can you <gasps> hello, see her? There she is. I can see her and she's beautiful. Oh, she's, oh, hello. <gasps> Hi. <laughs> Hi. Oh, she's very beautiful. Oh. <laughs> yeah, this is professional, isn't it? Oh, no, she's hello. Um, that's, mine does that all the time, too. I'll be live streaming on a Wednesday night, and Midori will just come and try to knock over my microphone. And, you know, it's just business as usual. <gasps> Hello. I love her eyes. You can't help it, can you? You, 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 can't, you can't say to them, no, no, go away, because yeah, they're, they're old, they're old I know. and they love you. And I was just thinking, it sounds really mean to say, have you got any tips for listeners? But, you know, let's, let's think about Ooh. maybe there's something profound Oh, that we could. Yeah. Yeah. No pressure, Sarah, at all. No, no pressure. pressure. Let's just, just think. Just, let's think of something profound. Oh, yeah. She's like, this is where it's oh, at. Right. This is where the attention is. Midori gets jealous of my microphone. She's like, why are you paying attention to that thing and not me? I'm much better, obviously. So, but yeah, um, like, gosh, thinking of like profound things to say about writing, um, I don't know. This, it's, it's, it's hard. It's, um, and it's something that I think a lot of us feel pressured to do. Like, you know, oh, I have to come up with something that's like, because, you know, I send out my newsletter every Monday morning and I always feel this pressure to like, okay, I have to say something smart. I have to say something profound. And really, I think that's where like processing and digesting our own experiences um, can play a huge role in that. Like often, I don't even know what I'm thinking until I write it down and do some journaling. Um, and so, I don't know, I, I would say, um, you know, respect your own story, respect the, the need to process your own story. Um, if, if you've read uh, The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron, the book is essentially like a 12 week program of um, making peace with yourself and really leaning into a creative life. And one of the very first exercises she has you do is something called morning pages, which is you're just free writing three pages just to get all of the junk out of your head so that you can focus on your creative work and be creative. And that's where I have sort of this flowing process of that's where everything begins. And so I write my morning pages and from my morning pages, I'll have like a discovery about myself and I'll say like, oh, oh, I've been holding back on this because I'm scared to explore this topic or, um, you know, I've been avoiding writing about this, or I've been writing the wrong way around this. And is there a wrong way to write things? And what does that mean? And it's just a really, really nice way to process different truths um, about yourself and about living creatively and about writing. And I use those morning pages. And then from there, um, I'll get ideas for newsletters, I'll get ideas for podcast topics. And then from there, um, I'll also sometimes get uh, ideas for my fiction writing, and those will go into a separate little notebook. And so really, the morning pages are the start of everything for me. It's sort of the genesis of all of my ideas. So I would definitely yeah. recommend uh, that practice. I would definitely recommend checking out The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. But yeah, and and so there's, there's this way that you can sort of create your own profundities um, just through processing your own thoughts on paper, which has been very useful. And it's interesting because I talk to a lot of writers mm -hmm. and I think that another thing that people don't realize, and I feel like you're probably past this and this is something that you've already worked through it, but maybe your audience hasn't, is 
Um, it's really important and essential to know that you can make your own opportunities and that you don't have to wait around for someone else to give you permission. I know that it's tempting to want to wait around for a publishing contract or for someone else to choose you, but there's this really radical act of choosing yourself and publishing regardless. And whether publishing means putting your work on your blog, whether publishing means self-publishing a book, whether it means publishing your podcast just through Apple Podcasts, um, there's a really beautiful power that I think goes... um, I don't know, it, it, it's taken for granted, I think, or maybe just ignored completely that we can choose ourselves and that we can publish our own words and that we can market that. Um, and we can, you know, find success uh, without anyone else's help or permission. Well, not necessarily anyone else's help because I've had a lot of help along the way, but without anyone else's permission. Uh, yeah. per- exactly, exactly. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense, actually. There's so many times over the, the last... Oh God, I've been, I've been been writing for over 30 years, but um, there's so many times that I've kind of got myself caught up in a hole thinking, mm. you know, maybe I do need somebody else's permission. But another way of looking at it for me is that I can give myself permission, but then whatever flack or merit comes back, it will come back to me. So if it's, if it's great, great. If it isn't, it, you know, make it the best it yeah. can be if it's going to go out there. Um, it's, it's a double-edged sword. It is because there's a, there's a sense of like really radical responsibility with that too, because if you're self-publishing, you know, you can't like any criticism that comes back, you can't place that on a publisher. You can't place that on anyone. Like it's coming back at you. And there's, there's a really sort of terrifying sense of responsibility that comes with publishing your own work under your own name and you being the sole, uh, you know, place where the buck stops, you know, to, to coin a phrase, but like, yeah. Oh, so that, sorry. I just had that idea as you were speaking and that was really interesting. No, no, that's absolutely fine. I mean, it was a question posed to you in the first place and I jumped in because that's kind of what I do. Unfortunately, <laughs> I have to go with it when I hear it cause I'll forget it. Um, the, the idea also of, um, not only self publishing, but, but writing, what you want so that if you've been given um mm. something to write from you know an agent or from if you're freelancing or whatever if you've been given a brief then obviously you do have to go with that brief if you're relying on yourself and you've written something you've put it out there whether it's a blog it might just be you know a post on social media but whatever it is if it comes back as well that was a particularly brilliant piece you know it spoke to me like most of what you do with me oh, it kind you. of just you know it speaks to me and I think wow I'm I'm so pleased that you know I, w- I was drawn to you you've done your bit and you've put it out there and people then respond and you think wow that's just not only crediting me with that you know that they've had a really good experience with what I've written but that's also come from you or it's come from somebody else that's come from somebody else you know there's so many other mm. people it radiates out all those other people that influenced you so that's when you look at it that way it's just a massive network isn't it of, of credit if you want to look at it in a positive way mm. <laughs> if it isn't you think <laughs> it is it is and it, honestly this this is so important too and maybe this is something else that that is, is a profound thing to talk and think about is, is we think of ourselves mm. as so alone, you know, sitting here with the doors. I keep my door shut. Um, I keep the windows shut and it's just me alone at my desk, either with my microphone or with a pad of paper. Um, cause okay. I like to write longhand. Um, uh, but the community is 
I feel like writer writing communities are underappreciated. Um, and, and whatever community means to you, whether it's a group of people who are giving you ideas, um, whether it's a, a group of people who uh, you can vent to and say like, oh my gosh, I hate my writing right now. Um, whether it's somebody who reads your work for you and helps you work through things, um, that community is so important and, and we're not doing this alone. Um, we're being inspired by other works. We're talking with other writers and creators, hopefully, about the process and about what we're doing and about our work. Um, so yeah, I would say if you're not part of a writing community or you don't identify as part of a writing community, that would be a really yeah. good next step if you are, um, I don't know, if you're feeling lost, if you're feeling alone, if you're feeling like you're at a standstill, other people can really help jog you out of that, even if you identify as an introvert and somebody who is maybe uncomfortable around other people or, um, you know, even if we're in a pandemic situation where you can't really see a lot of people. Um, I don't know. There's just something really beautiful about understanding that we're part of a larger network and um, it's, it's not a hundred percent on us to invent everything. You know, we can use tropes that already exist. Like you said, we can be inspired by characters or actors. Um, and that's part of our network. That's part of our community as well. Yeah. Um, years ago, I was shamed for doing that, actually. And no, yeah, I, I tried my hardest to find another way to work because I had this inherent <laughs> irritating part of me that likes to please others. And yes, me too. Yeah, it is. It's. You know, for most most of the time, it's, it's great. I'm fine with it. But other times, I think it really messes with me. And I think, well, I can't do that because that'll upset that person. And I don't even mm. know them. There might be somebody on Twitter that's just written something. I think, oh, I mustn't do that then. That whole writing community can be so helpful, so good. Um, they can also put you in your place when you're a little bit too big for your boots. And I really feel bad that you got shamed by someone for doing something that worked for you. Like that... Yeah, I just mm. think it yeah. it didn't fit in with them at the time. Um, I might have said something like, you know, oh, I'll see an actor and I'll base, you know, part of my character on that person. And, and I don't know how they saw that or how it was interpreted in their mind. But why would you do that? That character's already formed. And, well, yeah, but, you know, I need to... I, I can create um, a character from nothing, but yeah. it's it's kind of like having a sketch... And then if you yeah. see the actor, they can add the colour. Or, you know, they yeah. can add, as I said before, about the, the accent or the depth of voice or um, yeah. something. They will bring the, the warmth, of, as you've mentioned before. They can bring the warmth to the character. And if I'm feeling that, then that's going to communicate through, the, through my fingers to the, mm -hmm. uh, the character. And hopefully when the reader reads it, they will, you know, get the other end of that as well. You know, I always feel that this is something I've had to learn along the way is when someone else um, criticizes or shames you for something you're doing, it's often something that they're hung up about, about themselves or something that they're frustrated with about themselves. And it's very rarely about us. Like it's when someone has a problem yeah. like that, um, like, oh, you can't be inspired by other characters. It's like, dude, everybody, every writer, <laughs> you know, Jane Austen, like the people in her books are people that she knew. 
Like, everybody does this. Every writer does this. You know, you've seen the the mugs that say, like, behave or I'll put you in my book and kill you off or whatever. Like, it's just, (laughs) (laughs) that's how inspiration works. And for for this person to shame you for doing that, I feel like they have some, maybe like some gunk that they need to work through. They they have some own issues with their creativity that they need to work through. I mean, this was a good 10, 15 years ago. So quite possibly, yeah. But at the time, I really respected that author. And as soon as they said that, I thought, oh, maybe so not, maybe not so much now. So, yeah, it kind of backfired on them a little bit, really. But that is my process. That is, that is my natural process, too. So it's not something I've tried to do and make happen. Yeah. It happens. It works for yeah. you. Um, and I've, I've mentioned it in, this in a lot of my nonfiction books. And if I give talks, I've mentioned it there as well. And I run a coaching group where new writers, um, I coach new writers, and I've, mentioned it as a way that I've used as a process. One of the books I wrote uh, is called I've Got a Pen and I'm Not Afraid to Use It. And with that book, I even mentioned specific characters and they show up in dreams as well. If a character shows up Mm. in a dream who may well be based on an actor, but in the dream, they'll they'll have a different character within them. They just, that packaging maybe. Um, And that can influence my writing too. So having... Uh, movies or TV shows or dreams, all of those things, all very visual, you'll notice, um, yeah. all come through and influence the character and, and how they speak and how they treat other people within the story. It all makes a, a you know, it all, all goes in the mix, doesn't it, and comes out as a gorgeous cake at the end with the icing and the cherry on the top. I love it. Now I want cake. <laughs> Sorry. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, perfect. Oh, dear. Um, I believe my hour is done. Um, but I, Do you have any uh, final questions or anything or anything that I didn't talk about that you'd like to? Or We, we covered uh, probably about 70%. So I think we'll probably, if you're up for it, do this again another time as well. If that's That would be wonderful. I would love that. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. It has been a delight to be on your show. Um, I also want to thank you just for your thought. I always love it when I publish new episodes right now and you comment. You always just have such really beautiful, insightful things to say. And I, I just really appreciate seeing that. So thank you. Thank you. No, thank you. It's a, I rarely get people thanking me for stuff like that. So that's, that's a big deal. Oh, well, thank you. It means a lot. I love seeing them uh, come in and I don't know. You say a lot of very good things that I can relate to. And it just helps me feel like the podcast is not so much me shouting into the void, but it's like an actual conversation. So I really appreciate that. That's great. I think that the interesting thing about that is that you have so many listeners that if I I imagine that thousands of people contact you and say the things that I say. So when you, you know, say thank you for doing that, I think she even noticed me out of all of those hordes of people. So, wow. Yeah. Thank you for that. Thank you. All right. Talk soon. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed that. If you'd like to keep in the loop with the Versatile Writer podcast, you can check out the group page on Facebook. I'll post the link in the show notes. Also, you can find me, Sarah Bannum, on Facebook, either under Sarah Bannum or For the Love of Books. On Twitter, I'm at SJBWrites. On Instagram, at S.J.Bannum. Or my most recent return on social media, LinkedIn under Sarah Bannum BA Honours. Whichever way you choose, I look forward to meeting you. Season 5 of The Versatile Writer will begin on January the 8th, 
2022. So why not subscribe, like and share the podcast so it lands magically in your inbox when an episode airs. Also, if you share it, others can join in too. Thank you for your support this year and I look forward to talking with you in 2022.